This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, it's David Averin with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. So how do you make sense of social media marketing and connecting when the rules keep changing? Just when you think you've got it mastered, they change the algorithm. You've crafted the perfect LinkedIn post, and you wonder why only five people have seen it when the post before it got hundreds of reactions. Well, my guest today on the podcast is my friend Richard Bliss. He has not only unlocked the code to LinkedIn effectiveness, but he will reveal the new combination to pick that lock and get our message and persona and brand seen and engaged with. Get ready to have what you think you know challenged. I'm talking today to the brilliant Richard Bliss. It's David Averin on the Customer Experience Advantage podcast back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin, featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast, and here's David Averin. Thank you for stopping by the podcast. Of course, if you're watching the video version, it's on my website or on, on YouTube or on a C-Suite TV channel. Of course, we're on all of the audio channels as well. I'm thrilled to be talking today to Richard Bliss. Now, I had the great privilege of not only getting to know him on a personal level, we were at a conference together a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, what a good guy. And so we were all hanging out at the bar, just don't read into that, but we were with a lot of colleagues. Some of them were doing magic tricks. It was just a great night socially. Well, the next morning I wake up and he's on the main stage and literally blowing my mind. Um, what I thought I understood about LinkedIn was challenged to such a significant extent. And even in the introduction, when I'm talking about, you know, you do, do a post and you get hundreds of reactions, you do a post and you get none or five, I, I didn't understand why. And I'm just like wondering, is it, what is it about me? Is people not seeing it? Well, everything keeps changing. So I want to talk to Richard about that. First, I'll give you a, a quick little introduction to uh, his bio, who he is to give him some uh, credentials and put it in context. Richard Bliss is a LinkedIn top voices influencer. He's an experienced executive communication manager and social media coach. He has helped thousands of people master social media tools and become fluent in social conversations, building their platform and confidence to effectively reach their audience, define their brand, um, sorry, define their brand vision and strategies and develop high caliber sales teams. He's a former executive vice president of marketing for 18 years, an award-winning pioneer in technology, collaboration, cloud computing. You might've seen him on CNN, Good Morning America and others. Um, but now he empowers business owners and entrepreneurs through his weekly newsletter podcast, which reaches far more than mine at over 45,000 subscribers. This is a guy you need to know, Richard. How you doing, man? David, I'm doing well. Wow, that's that was an that was an introduction. Thanks, well, of thanks course for inviting me. You wrote it. I mean, I, it's right. or at least it, something. I think I need to update from, it. So I, <laughs> from your team, yeah, I, I have in my introduction when I when I'm on stage, it has me speaking, and they list like all these countries in 24 right. countries. 
And it says, David has acknowledged that having someone else read these makes him look far less arrogant than if he had done all that <laughs> geographic, geographic name dropping himself. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk. So um, give us a quick little bit about your background. And everybody's talking about social media, but you taught me things that I did not know, or maybe what I thought I knew three years ago, five years ago, but the, uh, the social media platforms themselves, they're always changing and tweaking and changing the algorithms to get ahead of those who are trying to game the system, right? Tell me about your background and what brought you to the point where you know so much more than I do about this. Well, the background is obviously having been in marketing, uh, there was always that interest in influencing your, your market, your prospects. I, I'm in tech. I live in Silicon Valley. I work with tech companies. And you see a lot of transition. You'll see a lot of things changing very rapidly here, much more than any other industry. And several years ago, I think I shared this story with you. Several, several years ago, I was uh, vice president, international company. Uh, global marketing was my role. And I got fired. And they gave my job to my wife. And they knew it at the time. Uh, they didn't, they didn't give it to how, how was that dinner conversation that night? She actually was already on site at a location I was going to present at. So I had to call her up and tell her I'm not coming. Uh, they fired me because we, anyway, we can go into the details. It was awkward. Right. We don't, and, you don't need to go into it. Yeah. And now it's, and, and now we're no longer together. Uh, probably contributed to part, part of that. But the issue here was, is that suddenly I found myself in a situation where I had to re literally reinvent myself because I couldn't take advantage of, my network, because I couldn't go to a competitor, I couldn't go to another vendor, I because I had been the face of this industry for so long, and I had to reinvent myself. And so this is a decade ago, I taught myself podcasting, I taught myself, I wrote a book, self published, I learned social media, you know, picked up 20, 25,000 followers on Twitter, uh, started to learn LinkedIn. So all of those things kind of came together for me to reinvent myself. And then with that pivot, I found myself working with executives here in Silicon Valley, tech companies. I got hired at some of these tech companies to help their executives understand how to do this. And then they brought me in to help their salespeople understand how to do this. And so what it was, was understanding the pain that my prospect, my customers had. Executives and salespeople have a very specific pain when it comes to social media. And then understanding, oh, I understand this stuff because I've done it. And then over the last three years, been working with a gentleman by the name of Richard Vanderblom, who does the LinkedIn algorithm research report. So it digs into the data rather than just a whole lot of opinion about what's going on. And I think that's what shocked you is that when I got up on stage, I started sharing data that refuted almost every opinion we'd ever heard about social media. Well, and, and that was the thing that was, was jarring to me is, you know, I look behind me for those watching the video. I write books on this stuff. But things change so rapidly that having somebody in your corner with access to the data, access to the changing algorithms, talk to us a little bit about what we what used to be true and why it no longer is. So let's be careful here because what 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 I'm about to say and and share with you and what I shared on stage is true for all of the other social media platforms. LinkedIn, excuse me, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all of these are driven by a different outcome model. They are all different primarily, than LinkedIn. Right? Yeah, link, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is completely separate. And it comes okay. down to money. The money on Facebook comes from advertising. The money on Instagram, TikTok, it comes from advertising. 
And that means that you're trying to drive a certain behavior. We, if you've seen the, so, what is it? The social dilemma, the Netflix documentary. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. We see that algorithm in the background and they're trying to keep you. I, I refer to it as, and I did this on stage and there were some quite reactions like hold like a puppy being held under the water until you stop struggling. That's literally what these social media platforms are trying to do. So you just give up and you find yourself an hour later having scrolled through all these Facebook videos for whatever reason. LinkedIn does not operate from that principle and it's because their money comes from somewhere else. 80% of their revenue comes from paying customers. Sales Navigator is one of their platforms. My clients spend more than a million dollars a year on LinkedIn. And a lot of people are shocked at like, what are they? Well, they don't, they're not aware of the sales tools like Sales Navigator or the recruiting tool or the premium right. service. Right. That and changes. most people have the premium because they can do more in-mails, that kind of a thing as well. But let's pause for a second because I think it's really important to, this is what drives everything that you were talking about. So the traditional social media, the non-business related one yep. is about keeping you on the platform, keeping you watching longer. Entertained, right? keeping you entertained. entertained. Yes. I, I, there are times, and I'll freely admit it, whether it's, I look at my, my phone, it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm still watching TikTok videos or Instagram or pimple popping videos, sorry, um, but, but that right. is their model. But the more they, um, and they can quantify that and the algorithms, or I mean, the, uh, the analytics quantify how long, right? YouTube, but LinkedIn is what you pay to be a part because we don't pay TikTok, no. we don't pay Facebook, right? Unless we're advertising, but as consumers, we're not. But on LinkedIn, we are. Yeah, on LinkedIn, the vast majority of you, a vast majority of their income is being is paid customers. Now that means the behavior changes. And so, for example, LinkedIn doesn't want this to be an entertainment platform. So one of the biggest shocks I said to the audience was the worst performing content on LinkedIn is video. That shocked a lot of that, that shocked, shocked everybody. Almost, yeah, the audience gasped. It is right, because the worst conventional wisdom says post videos, post videos. But post tell us why they don't like that. Because LinkedIn is measuring one thing. Did your content do one thing? And that one thing they're watching is, did you start a conversation? That's the value they've placed on their platform, bringing business people together to have conversations. And they measure conversations with comments. Did your post, your content, start a series of comments that drove a conversation? That is the complete opposite because oftentimes we think a popular post will get a lot of comments, but on LinkedIn, a lot of comments will drive a popular post. And that's where we started talking about the fact that video doesn't drive comments. I watch that video and we do an Insta like is what we call it. I click the like button and I move on. Well, now, is, is, that a, is, is that a bad thing for us as business owners, entrepreneurs and others, if we do a post and it gets lots of likes, is that beneficial to us or in such a minor way that it's almost insignificant? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, because LinkedIn's watching and seeing that somebody liked it. And that like will, be pull, will pull your content into your feed. But a comment is worth four to seven times more value than a like. So let me just break it down. A like will give you two points of value. So if I get 10 likes on my post, I got 20 points of value. LinkedIn's monitoring that value. But if I got 10 comments, I'm getting 80 to 100 points of value. And they're like, oh, this post is starting a conversation. And they're using that numeric number to kind of determine, oh, this is valuable enough. Let's go ahead and share this with a larger network. This was also what I shared 
David, and that was LinkedIn doesn't put your content in front of your connections. It takes a small test group of less than 10% and it shows your content to them. It then monitors that for an hour or two. And it's looking, how many people commented? And if it gets a certain threshold of comments and that's 10, if it can get 10 comments in that first hour, then LinkedIn says, oh, this is valuable. It started a conversation. Let's now show this to a minimum of a thousand people. And now let's re-monitor after we've shown it to a thousand people, does the comments keep coming? And if it does, then it shows it to 5,000, 10,000. And the views keep growing because it's monitoring the actual engagement. And that's what a lot of people are missing on LinkedIn is that it doesn't matter. I hate to say this, but it doesn't matter your content. If your content starts a conversation, then LinkedIn right. finds your content valuable. That's it. No, no. ideally, of course, for our businesses, if we're sharing content that is of value and that does drive you know, ourselves uh, or, or drive our credibility, sure. then that's certainly helpful. But that's why you see these polls. What is your, choose your favorite bacon crispness. Yeah. What is with this insanity? Okay, everybody, so- I'll post something that I'll have spent research and days that like is so I think is so brilliant because I'm so enamored with my own content and it'll get a modicum of of responses and somebody put something about freaking you know which which brownness do you like your toast and it gets 10,000 things and you want to you want to slash your wrists yeah so let's be clear here what's going on one the the polls so uh polls were rolled out last year and when LinkedIn rolls out a new feature it artificially uh, how do we say this? In, inflate's not the right word, but it artificially promotes content using the new feature. So in this case, polls have had a, up until last month, an artificial boost in the amount of exposure they have. Got it. But now a month, two months ago, what month are we in? So two months ago, they discontinued the artificial inflation of the post. So you're seeing a lot less polls right now because LinkedIn is no longer promoting this new feature. And also I think the pushback, people have been so disgusted with the pollution of their feed of all of these polls. Right, all this nonsense. But, but it goes yeah. back to what you were saying before about that they don't want to turn into <clears throat> one of those platforms Absolutely. to be Facebook. And you'll Absolutely. see people um, policing it themselves of saying, <laughs> take this crap off of, of LinkedIn or go post this. Sorry, I, I love that your daughter you know, did her dance recital. Go do this on Instagram and get it off of, of LinkedIn. LinkedIn wants it off too, doesn't it? They do. And so here's the irony is that if you do see that it's not as nearly as prevalent as we think it is. So if we see a post like that, uh, a cat sitting on a Roomba, right? Which you actually won't see on LinkedIn, but there's a reason. But when we see that, if we engage with that content and become the LinkedIn police, here's the irony. We're telling the algorithm, we want to see more of that content. Because we've engaged with it. Because we've engaged with it. So LinkedIn's going to say, oh, you want to see more? And so you, as you police it harder and harder, you will see more and more of it thinking that everybody's seeing it. And that's not the case. Also, there are human editors involved with LinkedIn. Human editors monitor the traffic. So when that post crosses a thousand views and kind of goes viral, a human ed- the algorithm hands it to a human editor who then monitors and determines if it's appropriate for the LinkedIn platform. Why you don't see a tremendous amount of politics, why you don't see cat and dog videos, why you don't see the baby videos. You see a couple kind of come in, but it's, it's being, a, most of it is being uh, 
pruned out long before it comes across your feet. Got it. So talk to us about a few other things. There were other couple things that really um, surprised me. And one of them was, and this is one of the things that you'll get, remember in the earlier days of Twitter and others as well, <clears throat> four posts a day, five posts yep. a day, you want to, because you never know when it's going to come across somebody's feed. They may not be looking until two o'clock in the afternoon. Once again, very different from LinkedIn, isn't it? Very different from LinkedIn. So yes, I saw, I saw a message, a post once from Guy Kawasaki, who said that he could post the same content every hour for 24 hours straight. He, that no one, very few of his hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers would notice because very few of them were on at the same time. Sure. And I think he, he actually follows a strategy of every eight hours, he repeats all his content. Every eight hours, just keeps repeating on a cycle. LinkedIn does not do it that way. LinkedIn has a quota, again, because they're not going to allow individuals to overwhelm the platform and dominate it. So the way they've set this up is that you have a quota. You can make a post about once, once about every four hours. If you post more often than once every four hours, LinkedIn will let you post it, but it will hide it from 99% of your connections. So you, I know a lot of people who queue up all their content for Sunday night and then sit down for 20, 30 minutes and post, 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 and then wonder why LinkedIn they didn't get any traction. Well, because the first post went live, everything else got shut down. LinkedIn doesn't tell them that. It just stops them from being able to be viewed. So you've got a post about once every four hours. Well, here's the other thing. I got a post that goes, for example, right as I went up on stage there at NSA, yeah. I made a post. I think I did the, actually the next day talking about going up on stage. Well, that thing took off, right? Lots of people commented. As soon as I made another post, LinkedIn's going to shut that post down and test the second next post because you only get to have really one truly active conversation at a time. So this so so let me let me stop for a second. And once again, we're talking to Richard Bliss um, about LinkedIn and the significant difference between LinkedIn and the other social platforms. So are you saying that even if it is hours and hours after the first post, if the first yes. post is still actively um, receiving engagement, it's saying don't distract. The conversation is still going on. Yes. Um, and so nurture that one, but don't post again. Yes, which is terrible for people who are on an automatic posting schedule with their app that posts content every day at the same time every day. Right. Because yeah. you'll have one post that did really, really well and off it went. And then the next day, as soon as you hit that second post, boom, it gets shut down. The second post is tested for an hour or two. And then it measures, okay, which one's doing better? And then it'll begin to promote whichever one. Well, you've lost a tremendous amount of momentum with the post. LinkedIn is trying to get you to change your behavior. It will thwart every effort you make to automating posting on LinkedIn. It'll take everything you try to right. do on LinkedIn. It's going to shut it. it LinkedIn's going to shut it down. So they're trying to have you be present. And one way to be present is to be aware if conversations are still going on. And so that is a big, so I didn't post for a week after that post went live because it was running to three to 500 views an hour, an hour. And I, I got to admit, my posts don't usually do that well. I mean, I have very successful posts, but even that one. So I'm like, I'm not touching it. I'm just going to let that thing run. I will tell you, hours and hours after your presentation, that was the conversation. 
was how many people saying, I've been doing this wrong, I've been doing this wrong. But but it makes sense because in our mind, this is how social media works. But yes. because the financial driver is different, it works differently. But because they keep trying to, to um, thwart those who might automate or overwhelm or spam it or turning it into something far more social than business, um, it makes more sense. Talk yeah. to us about, and this is the other part that really um, was was light bulbs going on all around the audience. Now, granted, you have a lot of other audiences besides the one I was on and 45,000 subscribers and all, but was the whole idea of the real way to boost your engagement is much more about commenting than it is yes. about posting. Yeah. And I just made a post uh, a couple of days ago on LinkedIn about this very topic that because conversation is the single thing that's monitored the most aggressively on LinkedIn, we all get caught up with content creation, right? Oh, I got to create the perfect right. post, the perfect video, the perfect whatever. And what happens is that LinkedIn's like, that's great. You put some content out there and let's monitor to see if anybody paid attention. But they're also watching very carefully. Did you participate in other people's conversations? And that's measured with comments. And what it'll do, this is a, I think I put this slide up. I tell people to do a test experiment. Stop posting this week. Don't post anything this week. I, all I want you to do is go find 10 posts and leave a comment on those posts. But here's the thing. Don't leave a Facebook comment. And that's a right. congrats. Good job. Agreed. Are, agreed. Well done. Yeah. Happy birthday. Whatever. Because we're trained by the other social media platforms to talk to the author of the content. LinkedIn, right. when we leave a comment, yes, we are talking to the author but we're also talking to our network. Our connections are going to see our comment. I was on a call this morning with a team and I just pulled up one of their posts and I said, look, I see your comment, congrats. That was it. No context, no explanation, no value, nothing, just congrats. So what I teach is when you leave a comment, think of it as a mini post because there's no limit how many comments you can make a day. There's a limit how many posts you can make, but not limit on comments. When you make a comment, you should follow three simple steps. So David, you've made a post. I'm going to go comment on it. And this is what I'm going to do. Number one, I'm going to tag your name. So you'll get notified. Richard mentioned you in a comment. Right. That also allows people who are going to see my comment just to hover over your name to figure out who I'm talking to. They don't have to go anywhere else. So it's a benefit to you and to me. David. Right. Who, who's this guy? Yeah. yeah who is, who's Richard talking to? Right. David. And then I'm going to restate what you've said. One of the things I really like about your post and what you're saying here is that when it comes to understanding why customers leave, one of the things you pointed out was this. I really enjoyed it reading in your book, and I'm really glad you shared it. In my experience, as I work closely with my clients, I've discovered that social media continues to be a strong way to tie the, you to your customers. And a lot of people are over, overlooking that. Thanks for sharing that great post. Right. That, that comment is now being picked up and placed in the feed of my network. One, they're being introduced to you. Two, I'm restating what we are talking about or what you're talking about. And then three, I'm putting my own little ad, not ad as an AD, but ad as an ADD. I'm adding right. to the conversation. That right. comment now will drive who, first of all, people who are following, who is this guy? And they'll click on my profile and they'll go check me out. People will see your content. They'll click on your profile. Go check you out. It's such a powerful means, and it's so overlooked because we, 
we just think that we're just talking to the author and instead well, it, we're I think missing more, an opportunity. Yeah, I think it's more than just being overlooked. I think it's misunderstood. Um, I will tell you from my perspective, because here's been my trepidation in the past. And, and, that's, and that's the big mind shift of saying you're not talking to the person who had the post. You are continuing the conversation to that person's audience. And that is a profound paradigm shift because we're used to saying, yes, this, here was, here was my misperception um, and my um, reticence to engage in that kind of a conversation in the way you said was, um, I always looked at it as, it would look like I'm trying to be self-promotional or hijack somebody else's post of saying, yeah, well, that's interesting. I believe this instead, and here's my great wisdom, and here's a link to my book, because I have felt that when others did that to me, and the reality is they were just being savvy. We think we're talking to the person, um, but that's a huge shift. It is, and you have to be people. careful because if you do- Because they don't, you don't want to hijack somebody's no. conversation, especially but, if you're going to take it to politics or something else. But, but when we're talking in person, it's very natural because you just did it to me. You just made a comment on a statement I just made, but we did it in a natural flow of a conversation. Right. But you, did, you didn't hijack it. You used it to make a point. You reiterated what I said. You then went on to explain from your perspective. That's exactly what we codify in a comment. We do what we do naturally. And we, but you mentioned even your book, but you didn't call your book out. And so that would be some of the subtleties is don't put any links in there. Don't be promoting. Hey, in my right. book, I said, no, because people are going to be interested in what you had to share. They'll come look at your profile. They'll see that material. And so that's one of the key things we do naturally that I teach people how to do unnaturally on social media, because it feels manipulative. It feels contrived. It feels forced. And yet it's not. I mean, think about it. Right. How many people, how many people are putting content on social media and hoping nobody sees it? Nobody. Nobody. Right. And, That's the whole reason for it. And your comment, and if it's an insightful comment that where you, and I refer to this paid attention, paid is the key word there. I gave of my time to read your content and then expounded on it. Nobody can resist that kind of giving that we do by giving a comment because most of these posts out there right now, nothing against you, but I'm looking at your profile right now, David. I pulled up oh, your I'm profile. Sure there's problems. I'm sure there's problems with it. I see a post that you made uh, an hour ago. I got two comments on it, which is great. That's why you want to see. And of course, you're going to go see what they said. Yeah, but it was video, wasn't it? It was the video. It was the it video. Was video. Yeah, you got six likes. You got two comments. And then I see that you shared a post. Well, guess what? You got no likes and no comments on that. Why? Because LinkedIn sees you hijacked somebody else's content and really didn't add any value. Now, I'm not pointing you out. I'm saying everybody does this. Right. When you click that share button, LinkedIn's not going to oh, show that to anybody. Feel free to shame me. Um, like I said, it, it's only been a couple of weeks. And we and part, one of the things that we as we as a team and myself with my team is <clears throat> we have lots of conversations. What works, what doesn't. Um, my assistant said, you know, when you do a rant, your um, engagement goes up by 500%. Right? right. But I have to balance it out because I don't want to be an ass to my audience. Right. I want to be able to show the best parts of it. So it's walking that line, which is really interesting. When I do a poll, it adds a lot of engagement, but it also brings out the trolls. Yes, so it does. That's, I mean, you could put a picture of golden retriever puppy and people would, what, you hate cats? Oh, fine. Right. Great cat hater. And it's like, dude, seriously. But here's the feedback I would give though. You did this post an hour ago, and this is you and your team is that, okay, it's got 25 
maybe 30 words of description. But wait a minute. It's a, uh, if I look at here, it's a, it's a 20 second video. Right, I'd really like to know. I don't want to have to watch it. One, I have my sound turned off because I'm on a call with you. And two, I'd really like to scan and read. And I use this in my analogy. I said, if somebody said, hey, I've, you need to watch this great movie, right? And I use this example in my presentation. It's about this widower and uh, somebody steals his car and they shoot his dog. It's a great movie. And you're like, I'm not watching that movie. <laughs> Unless, of course, you know that it's the premise of John Wick, right? Right. right. Well, when I look at a video and somebody just puts one line of, hey, this is really, you know, I call out some really good points about why you should be doing this. Well, why don't you just tell me what those points are so I can scan and read and then maybe I'll watch the video. Right. And so that's what is a major shift for people as well. If you're sharing content, don't make your audience go work for the content. I tell people all the time, you don't actually want people listening to your podcast. You want them taking the knowledge that's in the podcast and applying it to their lives. So whether they get it through a transcript, read, somebody paraphrase, whatever. And I've had several podcast owners and I do my own podcast. They're like, no, I want them to listen. Okay, but really, or do you just want them to take yeah. the content, well, and, share and it? How much, right, and how much is that as vanity metrics? Anyway? Yes. I mean, we get yes. caught up in vanity metrics. Um, and we, listen, boy, we could do this all day um, and I'll probably pick your brain off offline and do this more anyway. Last thing I want to talk about, sure. this was another big mistake that we make and almost everybody else makes is the hashtags. Talk to us about what works and what doesn't for LinkedIn, because it's not what I expected. Yeah. LinkedIn's uh, working on hashtags. It's constantly being modified and updated, but um, the Instagram approach to 30 hashtags is not what they're looking for. They're looking for three to five hashtags on your post. If you use less than three as a nun, LinkedIn will demote the post because you're not participating in any relevant conversations. Right. If you and, you're use, not, and you're not targeting a tribe. No, you're, that, well, that's way. an excellent Correct. point. You're not targeting yeah. a tribe. So you need a minimum of three, maximum of five. If you use more than five, LinkedIn's algorithm has determined that now you're just spamming, that you're, you're too broad. Right. And it, they want you to stay focused in a, it'd be like trying to talk about too many things in a single conversation. So it's like, nope, we're going to narrow it down. You need to only pick three to five things to talk about. And those hashtags then, uh, and on LinkedIn, you can create any hashtag you want, but they become a great way for you to create a virtual group is because now if I click on the hashtag, so my hashtag happens to be digital first leadership, right? If you click on that, there's a little over a hundred people who follow that hashtag. Okay. But if you click on it, you'll also see all of the content my team or anyone who's ever produced, you can see all that content right there. And so one of the things people try to do is do the, we, we also sponsor with Andy Foote, uh, one of the deepest hashtag research reports that are out there. Andy uh, Foote is spelled F-O-O-T-E. Great way to find the top 100 hashtags out there. The problem is if you're using a hashtag that's got 25 million users, followers, you're going to get drowned in the content yeah, that's out there. You're not absolutely. going to get in front of, you're not going to get in front of 25 million people. So you're looking for hashtags that is, a, I call them a vanity hashtag, one that's just yours. It doesn't have to have 10,000 followers. One that's in the sweet spot of 5,000 to 20,000. That's the perfect spot of followers to content. And then pick one of those meta hashtags, one of those big ones that'll pull you into a much wider conversation. My mind is, is blown again. And I think the most important thing is that this is one of those, honestly, whether if you were just listening to the video version, go check out or the audio version, check out the video version. 
listen to this a couple of times. And next time, for those who, who have listened to this, take notes, <clears throat> excuse me, talk to your team, because I guarantee you some of those things are not being done right. Now, here's the last question for you. A year from now, is it going to be different? No. And how do we know? Because we know what LinkedIn values and they value conversations because they've determined that's what people are paying for. So it might be tweaked a little bit. Does this can help? So for example, polls, they discovered that polls, yes, started conversations, but it's pissing off so many people. So they toned it down. So they're going to look for ways to continue to tweak it. Hashtags are going to be, I think are going to be a big part of that. How can we help continue to drive the business value of LinkedIn so that our paying members continue to find value? Continue to, to pay. Continue to pay. Right. And that's a big difference between the LinkedIn and all of the other social media platforms is how can we keep tweaking this to keep people underwater, not knowing that they're wasting their time? Because LinkedIn's like, no, we've got to make sure people aren't wasting their time. And what do they find value with? And so that's where the algorithm is constantly tweaked. And that's why we research comes out every year. Yeah, there'll be some new things. And it's a wide variety from the commenting strategy. Articles are worthless on LinkedIn right now. You put, put an article out there. I have 100,000 followers on LinkedIn. If I post an article, which is kind of their blogging, I might get 100 people to view it. Because they tried that for a while, realized it was, it was diminishing the experience, and so they stopped promoting it. So you'll see them playing with their algorithm, but their goal is to constantly drive business value, and they've measured that through conversations. If people want to get in touch with you, Richard Bliss, how do they do that? Uh, LinkedIn is the best way. They can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, they can find me on Twitter, Richard Bliss, Facebook, Richard Bliss. They can also just reach out to me on my uh, website, Bliss Corp excuse me, uh, bliss. Yeah, you don't Point, want to get this wrong. Yeah. It's blisspointconsult.com. My company's name is bliss point. So that's another way to find me or got it. Uh, blisspointconsult.com. We'll put that in the show notes as sure. well. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the, the last thing I know, I, I wait, that's the fourth false, time false. you said the last thing. I know it's the false, it's the false ending just because I love this stuff. God, like I, you did something at the end that showed us something that your name yes. has a dot. <laughs> before your name and i thought at first it was because other people were trying to impersonate you i have to deal with that all the time and that's like the real you but it helps you identify those who are right. doing automated replies tell us about that really quickly and then we'll officially end this, this we'll officially end sure because we all getting spammed in mails autobots they're trying to connect with us all of that so what Ugh. my team does we i put a dot in front of my name and when you see it, it looks just like a bullet and if you go look up Richard Blish, one is you'll be able to quickly, easily find me. But what happens is I have dozens of connection requests and in-mail messages in my inbox on LinkedIn that say to the effect, hi, dot, or hi, dot, Richard. You know, let's do the human thing and connect here on LinkedIn. I actually have one of those messages. Hi, dot, let's do the human thing. Well, I know that no human would mistake <laughs> a dot for my first name, but the bots can't tell the difference. And so they scrape my name drop it into their automatic connection request. And I quickly identify that. And so I completely ignore those individuals. And it gives me a quick way of filtering out the bots, the auto bots that are, uh, that are automatically trying to connect with me. So cool. Hey, listen, Richard, thank you so much for taking the time. Hang on. We're going to talk on the other side. Um, as I reach down and grab a copy of my book, you can pick up a copy of my new book. This is the self-promotional part. The Morning Huddle. 
powerful customer experience conversations to wake you up and shake you up and win more business. Be sure to click to like this podcast, subscribe, leave your comments below and click the little bell icon to receive notifications of new episodes. Of course, check out Richard Bliss's podcast and, um, and his page as well. You can learn more about my keynote speaking and my consulting at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. Check out past episodes, leave a comment. Big thanks to my guest, uh, Richard Bliss, and thanks to all my subscribers. I'm David Averin. Be good. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.